Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is David Bach. He's a personal finance author of many best-selling books, and his whole theme is Finish Rich. His website is finishrich.com. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, David. Well, Jordan, it's great to be with you. Thanks for having me on your show. I'm really excited to be with you today. Now, everybody knows about you, but for the one person in the world who doesn't know about you, just briefly tell them a little bit of your history and how you've come to be the financial author you've become. <laughs> well, see, what people don't know about me, I'm going to share with you right now, which is that you get some credit for it. You're one of the first financial books I ever bought off of an infomercial. Do you remember, the day, do you remember the day you had a book on an infomercial? Absolutely. The Money Answer Show, everyone's money book. That's right. So how many years ago was that, by the way? That was like the late 90s, actually. The late 90s. So that means um, I hadn't even got a college yet. So no, that's not true. 1990, I got out of college. So I, anyway, I remember seeing your infomercial. I remember your book. I, you know, I've been in the investment world since 1993, but I grew up in the investment industry. Um, my father was a financial advisor. And so I was a money geek. I started going to my dad's investment classes at the age of nine. My, I watched my dad teach people how to plan for retirement and save for college. And you know what we talked about at the dinner table was investing. That's why I was buying books like yours off of an infomercial. So I just grew up around it. And I had a, a grandmother that really was the one who originally inspired me, my grandma Rose Bach. She helped me buy my first stock at seven. And she really changed the whole you know, the future of my family because my grandma, my grandmother did not go to college and my grandmother and my grandfather were poor and they lived in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and they pretty much lived paycheck to paycheck until my grandmother made a decision at the age of 30 that she was tired of struggling. And that decision ultimately would change everything for our family's life because she went out to learn how to be smarter with money and over her lifetime, became a very successful investor and, you know, became a self-made millionaire and passed the lesson of learning about money on really to my father who taught it to me, who taught it to my sister. And so my family's been in the financial, you know, advisory business really for like 50 years. And I, I've been doing this since 1993. Today, we're going to talk about a book I, I put out 20 years ago which is my first book, which was Smart Women Finish Rich. And so it's kind of hard to believe for me because 20 years have gone by like shockingly fast. And we've had a million women buy this book and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of women go through the class I created. And so to be here 20 years later and talking to you and you know, this will go out to your community, but we'll go out to my community. I'm still doing much like you are the same thing I was doing um, 20 to 25 years ago, I love teaching people how to be smarter with their money and how to protect themselves, especially women. I've been a crusader for women's financial empowerment now since 1994. That's when I taught my first investment class for women. How did your grandmother Rose become that? Was it through investing in stocks? It was through investing in stocks. Um, and I, you know, I tell, I tell, I tell a lot of her stories in this book. She, the book's dedicated to her. But in Smart Women Finish Rich, I tell the story. You know, my grandmother. Selling wigs at Gimbel's department store was, um, she had a brown bag her lunch. She literally was saving 50 cents a week out of her paycheck and my grandfather's paycheck. And she saved that money and 
the first year her friends would tease her because they'd say she's cheap and, you know, they'd say, come on, Rose, come to lunch with us. And she would be brown bagging her lunch. And, you know, she took that money and she started buying stocks. In the beginning, all the money she invested, she lost everything. And then she started taking classes and she kept reading books and she found money mentors. And, and she didn't become like this, oh my God, multimillionaire. She just became financially secure. And to the point that, you know, her friends that teased her back in the day in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you know, when winter rolled around and it was retirement time, my grandmother was able to go and spend her winters in Southern California. And so, you know, my grandmother kind of had the last laugh because she was able to live the life that she planned for. Um, and then again, you know, pass it again on to me. I mean, I, I, everything, the, my core lessons that I learned about money, I learned them from her. Great. So at the beginning, you talk about uh, the facts and myths about your money, particularly related to women. How have things changed in the 20 years since this book first came out? Have women become more empowered and doing better with their money? Or what, what is your sense of the, their situation? Yeah, well, 20 years ago when I started doing this, a lot of this I started doing because we had older clients and we had quite a few clients that were becoming widowed. And at the time, you know, I was sitting in meetings with my father and we were walking women through everything, like how to read their brokerage statement, how to write a check and, you know, how to know they were going to be okay. And I just couldn't, I kind of couldn't get my head around this because again, my grandmother had always been in charge of the money. So I decided to create this class called Smart Women Finish Rich and invite my women clients to that class. And they invited their friends and it became very popular. And, and this was in the Bay Area in California. But I had to go out and really convince at the time women to be in charge of their money. What, what, is, what has changed is that today's woman is in charge of her money or wants to, wants to be in charge of her money. But, you know, before I go through what, what's changed, let me tell you what hasn't changed because it's really what led to writing Smart Women Finish Rich. What hasn't changed, and it's actually gotten worse, is that women face specific financial challenges that are unique to women that are different than men. The challenges that women face are this. You live longer than men do. On average, women will live five to 10 years longer than the man in their life. But that's, that's an average, right? So like my grandmother... Rose, my grandfather passed away in his 70s, and she lived to be 86. My other grandmother, Rose, outlived two husbands. Her first husband passed away at 50, and she lived to be 97. And, and they're typical, and now women are living longer. And so, you know, women need to have a third to more save for retirement than men do because their retirement is, a, on average, a third longer. Many women who are listening today will be retired 10, 15, 20 years longer than the man in their life. The second thing that was affecting women 20 years ago, and it's still affecting them, is that they have less money put away for retirement. So on average, it's a third less. It's a third less in Social Security. It's a third less in retirement accounts like a 401k plan. And it's a third less in pension plans. And, and there's a reason for that. One of the reasons is they're still being paid unevenly versus men. Women are often paid. It's gone up. It's gone from 73 cents in the dollar to 82 cents in the dollar. But it's not always equal. And women are taking an average of 11 and a half years off to have from work to have children. And that time off from work leads to less money going again into retirement accounts. It leads to derailing their career during their high peak earning years. And now what's changed, Jordan, since I started this was 20 years ago, women 
were not so much taking care of their parents, but now they are starting to take care of their parents. It's often the it's the daughter who typically takes care of mom or dad if they get older. So that's increasing. In fact, reports are now saying that women lose about a million dollars in income and earnings during these years that they take off. So it's significant. And what I've been talking about on this 20-year update is really like a wake-up call. Like, ladies, you need to know these facts because you need to know the financial ramifications of not working. You need to know why you need to be putting more money away than maybe the man in your life. Like if your husband's saving 10% of his income, you need to be saving 12% of your income. You need to be prepared to know that you will ultimately, if you're married, be the one in charge of the money. 80% of women die widowed versus men where 80% of men die married. And so, you know, these are just really critical issues that women need to face and you need to tackle them with your your eyes wide open, as I like to say. So what's going to happen to these women who are going to live longer, as you say, save less, they earn less in their lifetimes and their, you know, investment portfolios aren't big. Is there going to be a lot of poverty amongst women? I mean, what's going to happen to these people as they live longer? Well, I mean, look, the average woman who's over the age of 65 has an annual income of of $18,500. A lot of women are ending up on, um, you know, Medicaid, Medicare. Um, My grandmother at 97 ran out of money. Not the one who the the book's dedicated to, but my mom's mom. And, you know, fortunately, my parents were in financial shape to take care of her nursing care facility needs and 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 the things that she needed. But, yeah, there will be a lot of women who run out of money, and it will be an issue for the government. Now, the other side of this is that also, well, let me give you the good news. The good news is that women have more money today than they had 20 years ago. We have 43% of women are millionaires. 43% of the millionaires today are now women. Women now make more money than they've ever made before. Women are the entrepreneurs of America with over 10 million businesses. Um, Women's net worths have gone up. And then more importantly, the really big thing here is that there's going to be a lot of wealth transition because we have 20 to $30 trillion in inheritance is going to take place in the next 20 years. And women will inherit a lot of that wealth. So it's actually estimated that 60 to 65% of the wealth in America will be controlled by women within less than 20 years. So it's not all bad news. There's actually a lot of women who are doing phenomenal right now. About half of households today are actually headed financially by a woman. Yeah. Now, you have various myths in the beginning uh, about your money. The first myth is make more money and you'll be rich. What's the myth about that? Well, the myth about that, and, and I think people listening will be able to relate to this, is that typically when people make more money, they just spend more money. Right. So, you know, and I was once upon a time that same person. I thought when I got to college, if I made $50,000, I'd be wealthy. And then I made 50 and I spent 60. And then I thought if I made 75, I, I would be wealthy. And then I, made, I spent 85. And then I thought if I made 100, I'd be wealthy. And then I spent 120. So like if and then, then I and then I changed everything. Right. Like you I, I know people who are wealthy and, and spend less than than they make on $50,000 a year. And I know people who make a million dollars a year and they are broke. So it's not just making more money that fixes your financial situation. It's actually fixing your financial habits, making sure you spend less than you make and you pay yourself first. Why is it that people spend more when they make more? I mean, they have the same basic needs. Well, because our needs change. Or actually, it's not our needs, it's our wants. Right. So what happens as our income grows is you, you, you know, our, your desires grow. 
and you're marketed to to spend more money. And then you move into a community where things are more expensive and then you have a bigger home and then you need the country club or then you need the kids in private school or then you need a new car. Now, you don't need these things. It's the society pressure. Now, it's, it's part of it's an American phenomenon, right? Like this is not everywhere. I just got back from Africa and uh, some of the happiest people I've ever seen were living in a village in, in Tanzania and they had dirt floors and dirt huts um, and they were not worrying about the, the, their cars, right? Like so yeah. – it's, it's an American phenomenon. Uh, now, we've spread that with consumerism around the world, but it's, it's not this way for everybody, right? Like what happens is you become middle class or upper middle class is that a lot of people end up finding that they have greater financial pressure because it's called a lifestyle creep. And it's very easy to, it's very easy to get lifestyle creep where your monthly expenses just keep growing because you get in the habit of just selecting things to pay for on a monthly basis versus really looking at what will this cost me on an annual basis? What does this cost me over a decade, not just once a month? Yeah, very good. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, My guest this hour is David Bach. He's the author of uh, several books, but his latest one is the new version of Smart Women Finish Rich. You can find out more about him at his website, which is finishrich.com. We'll be back after this. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We've all been there. Struggling to keep up with credit card payments? Searching for a simpler, safer way out of debt? Well, here it is. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a nonprofit service that has been helping people reduce or eliminate their credit card debt for over 20 years. Most of us have made late payments and even gone over our credit limits. Before we know it, our balances are out of control and we can barely afford to make the minimum payments. If this sounds familiar and you're ready to take control of your debts, call Cambridge right away at 1-800-897-2200 for a debt-free analysis. Cambridge will work with your creditors and may be able to reduce your interest rates and get you out of debt fast. In fact, Cambridge's typical debt management clients save almost $150 every month on their credit card payments, and they're debt-free in just 50 months. So there is a simpler, safer way out of debt, and it all starts with Cambridge Credit Counseling. Call 1-800-897-2200 for your free debt analysis. Cambridge Credit Counseling is a Massachusetts-based nonprofit agency providing services nationwide. For complete licensing information, visit them online at cambridge-credit.org. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. If you're ready to take your business to the next level, then be sure to tune in to Ask the Coach with host Oliver Baisner. So your team and organization need to work more effectively, and it's taking its toll on you as a leader. Is your family and work-life balance out of whack? Now, get the answers you need from a panel of experts. No matter the challenge, you'll find the answers here. Ask the Coach airs live every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is David Bach, a well-known personal finance author. He's just come out with a new edition of his book called Smart Women Finish Rich. His website is finishrich.com. Welcome back to the show, David. Jordan, it's great to be back with you. Thank you again for having me on. So we were talking about the different myths. Uh, the second myth is that my husband or somebody else is going to take care of me. What, what's the myth about that? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, some of the most, this is the most dangerous thing you can hear from your husband if you're married, and it's this. Honey, don't worry about it. Everything's okay. All right, the moment you hear, the moment you, you hear your husband say, honey, don't worry about it. Everything's okay. It's like, it should be like a, like a siren going off. Like, I live in New York City. We hear sirens all the time. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So what I, what I've, what I tell women, it's, I was on Fox Business yesterday, and I did a very direct show. And I'll say the same thing uh, today that I said there, which is this. If you're married, I'm not trying to kill your husband off here right now, but I want you to think about this. If you found out today your husband died, what would you need to know about money tomorrow? And and stop for a second and actually really take that in and think about it. If your husband died today, what would you need to know about the money tomorrow? And if you stop for a moment and deeply think about this, first of all, the answer is everything. You need to know everything, right? So what does everything mean? It means where's the 401k plans? How many did he have? Did he have two or three jobs, and does he have two old 401k plans? Did he roll the money into an IRA account? Where do you go to get the money? Where are the brokerage accounts? Where are the bank accounts? Where's the social security information? Where's the will? Is there a will? Where's the insurance? Is there insurance? Who do I call for the insurance? Are there annuities? Where are the annuities? Is there a pension plan? Am I on the you pension plan? Most people don't know these things is what you're saying. Most people don't know these things. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever, if you've actually ever personally been a financial planner. The biggest, the, the biggest thing that people go through when they lose a loved one is they have to go find all their stuff, unless they've already worked with a financial planner who's yeah. organized all this. And the process of getting these things even just transferred over into your name when you know where everything is and it's all in one place is still a huge project. You yeah. have to go get death certificates and you have to do asset transfers and you need somebody to help you with all of that. So what I did in Smart Women Finish Rich is I provide you with a question. So it's a money quiz to take with 17 specific questions about your money. And it's where the book really starts, where you start to go through what do you know about your money and what don't you know about your money. It's called the Smart Women Finish Rich Financial Knowledge Quiz. It's on page 40, 41, and 42. You go through this quiz and you very quickly realize, well, geez, I know a lot about my money or I don't. And then if you don't, you know where the holes are. And, you know, for, I know men will be listening to this podcast. And what I would say to any men that are listening is if you've got a, a low, if you have a wife that you love, then don't tell her everything's okay if it's not. All this stuff should be taken care of. And the two of you should work on this together because yep. you're more than likely going to die before she does. And it's not a joke. And so, you know, the reason I'm doing this work 20 years later is I still have more people who I know need to be helped. And if you've got a daughter or you've got a mom, um, these are the kind of things that you need to do to protect the woman in your life that you love. So that's why I'm doing this. 
And your myth number three is that the government has finally gotten inflation under control. I mean, officially, inflation is maybe 2% or something like that. But you're saying that's vastly understated. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, look, the reality of life is look at the things that cost money that actually we all pay for. Let's just start with the cost of education. All right. I mean, I, when I went to school, it was I went to a private school. I went to USC. When I went to school, it was $12,000. Now it's yeah. seventy, I think. The cost of education hasn't gone up two or three or four percent. It's gone up twenty percent. The cost of uh, cost of education is ten times higher than it was twenty five years ago in many places. So that's one major thing. That's why there's now a trillion dollars in in debt for kids to go to college. It's insane. People get out of school because the cost of education is so high. And then there's healthcare costs. Healthcare costs aren't even remotely under control when it comes to inflation. I mean, my personal insurance bills are twenty four hundred dollars a month for my family. Because I'm uh-huh. self-employed, that's what it costs me to have health insurance that practically nobody in New York City even takes because most of the doctors today don't even want to deal with health insurance. So the things that matter, you know, we're not talking about you know, buying a television set, but the things that actually really are what affect us financially, they're not under control. And so when you hear inflation is low, and in fact, if you're, if you're collecting Social Security, the problem with inflation being low is that you don't get social security bumps the way you would if inflation was actually recognized maybe as high as it really is. So, you know, people drive around in cars today that cost more than their parents' homes. I mean, yeah. my parents' first home was, was $30,000. Today, it's hard to buy a car for $30,000. So, right. <laughs> you know, or somebody once said, you know, you could buy a six pack of Budweiser 25 years ago for less than a beer today, but the Budweiser still cha- tastes the same. So um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't buy, I don't buy into the fact that we have low inflation. I think we have high inflation on most things. And, and, it's, gonna go, and it's also, by the way, Jordan, it's going to go higher. Like if yes. you and I are still doing this 20 years from now, it's going to go higher. You know, right. I live in New York City where a two-bedroom home is like a million five. I mean, that's, that's kind, of in, kind of hard to even fathom, but that's the world we live in. Yeah. Let's go through the uh, the 10 mistakes that investors make. Uh, you have a list of those. The first one being uh, becoming an investor before you're organized or have specific goals in mind. So how, people just kind of throw money around in different places and not really organized about it? Well, they do often. I mean, look, look you got kids, you got people running out right now and buying Bitcoin. Uh, and I won't even pick on Bitcoin. I'll just pick on cryptocurrencies. Like I, I, I meet, meet millennials that are investing in cryptocurrency and they don't even – they're not funding their 401k plan. Like, so it's so sad, right? Like, you, you're just basically trying to get rich quick, and you're going to end up going broke l- over a lifetime. Like, the, the, you need to have very specific goals in mind for why you save money. So in Smart Women Finish Rich, my whole financial planning philosophy is that money basically falls into three baskets. A retirement basket, you save money for your retirement. That is going to happen. The way, you, you know, the way you get a retirement is you buy it over your lifetime. And I walk you through how to do that by using your 401k plan or using your IRA account or if you're self-employed, how to, what type of retirement accounts to use if you're self-employed. And then I go through, you save money for things for security. Like if you lose your job, you need to have special investment accounts that you set aside for emergency purposes. And you need to have a will and life insurance if you've got children. And so there are things that you do under the security basket that I cover. And then you need to be able to pay for things that you want to do between now and retirement. And that's where I go into the dream basket and I teach you how to invest 
for your shorter term dreams. So the really the key to investing is that the money is there for a purpose to have you live a better life. And if you can become clear, first of all, on, on what your goals are, which I teach you how to base, create your goals based off your values. If you do your values first, your goals second, and then you start to invest, all of it's easier. Yeah. And that's why I think this book has been so successful over the past 20 years is that women really do these exercises. Like I was just over at Dow Jones yesterday and I was with a editor who read the book 15 years ago. And she's like, you know, I did all this. I got your book. She's like, I wish I brought it to the office today because I would show it to you. But she's like, I actually went through your values ladder. I wrote all my values out. I got my money organized. I did all the things you talked about, but I did the worksheet. She's like, I actually did all these things. And then she's like, do you think men do this? I'm like, well, I don't know if men will do it as much as women do, but, but you know, that's the whole key. Do the work and the success will follow. Since you brought up just briefly, what, what is your opinion of cryptocurrencies? Is it something people should be investing in at all, or is it a complete scam? What is your view of cryptos? Well, look, I think blockchain, which is really what cryptocurrencies sit on top of, I think this idea that, that blockchain will be revolutionary is, is probably true, right? Like, I, I think we will see a time and place, and maybe it's in five to ten years, where there's a different way in which money moves that doesn't require it going through a banking system. Um, and, and I am sure that we will have completely different discussions around money 10 years from now than we do today. With that being said, I think 90% of the cryptocurrencies that are out there will be worthless. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen crypto, and I'm not, and again, it's not about Bitcoin. It's about, you know, there are literally thousands of now cryptocurrencies. Uh, the valuation on cryptocurrency has dropped by $600 billion. So a whole lot of people have been financially wiped out. And I, I talk to people who've bought these, you know, just rinky-dink cryptocurrencies, and they're like, well, I'm going to just hold on to it until it comes back. And I go, you know, this is not like the stock market, okay? This is not like the stock market that always recovers from every correction. The fact that you bought some random cryptocurrency that you heard about that's going to create some new technology that's going to change everything that right now nobody's actually using and there's actually no business behind it doesn't mean it's coming back. So, you know, I, I, I love Warren Buffett. He's my money mentor. And I, I remember him saying, you know, I don't even know, maybe six months to a year ago, I think this is going to end badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, and, I, and I completely agree with him. All I know is I had people coming to me last year saying, you know, be the face of our cryptocurrency. You'll make yes. 10, 20, 30 million dollars. Uh, I passed on every single one. And, I, and you know what? Those things, every, every time I passed, the ones I passed on, they all went up a lot. And then they've all crashed and gone down to nothing. And people would have lost tens of millions, maybe even hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and I wasn't willing to associate my face, trust, and brand um, to try to make money on something that I fundamentally don't believe is real. So, so you think people should not be investing in any cryptocurrencies now? Well, I think any is extreme, but I think if I was, I've told people, look, don't put more than one or two, 1% or 2% of your money. Yeah. And if I was going to do it, I would be doing it in things that are more established, like a Bitcoin or an Ethereum. But look at Ethereum. I mean, I know a lot of people heavily invested in Ethereum. Ethereum's gone down, I think, 75%. Yeah. You know, like, why, why would you bother? I do speeches all over the country, Jordan, for our clients. And I, every time I'm in a live audience, because I get the cryptocurrency questions, right? And yes. I, I asked the room with three or four or 500 people in it who are all retired. How many of you have bought anything with cryptocurrency this year? Not one hand goes up in the room. There, there, there you go. There's your answer. When, when, when that changes, when everybody's hands going up, then that, that's a different thing. But 
even then, why are you investing in a currency? Nobody, nobody invests in currency now. Does anybody, anybody in the room investing in dollars or euros? No, of course not. Yeah. Why, would you, why would you invest it's in currency? It's become a tremendous speculative bubble, yes. It's just, it, you know, it's just every, every 10 years there's something. And it just happens to be that's, that's the something right now. Very good. Okay. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is David Bach. He's a national best-selling author of personal finance books. Uh, we're speaking today about Smart M Women Finish Rich, uh, the uh, 20th edition uh, updated version. Uh, you can find out more at his website, which is finishrich.com. We'll be back after this. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Attention heroes, current and former firefighters, law enforcement, military, medical, or educational professionals. Heroes can receive rewards averaging over $2,500 when they buy, sell, or refinance a home. Heroes come first. Along with the Homes for Heroes is the nation's largest hero reward program. Their mission is to provide extraordinary savings to heroes who provide extraordinary services to our nation and its communities every day. Learn how you can purchase a home for no down payment, no closing costs, and get money back at closing. Find out how you can own for less than you may pay for rent. Get your hero rewards at heroescomefirst.com. That's heroes, H-E-R-O-E-S, comefirst.com, 888-437-6114. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is David Bach. He's the author of several books. The one we're speaking about today is Smart Women Finish Rich. This is an update uh, from 20 years ago that he did it originally. You can find out more at his website, finishrich.com. Welcome back to the show, David. Jordan, great to be with you. Thanks for having me on. 
So we were talking about the 10 mistakes that investors make. The number two is not taking credit card debt seriously. Credit card debt recently has gone over a trillion dollars. What should people do to take credit card debt seriously? Well, the best thing you can do is avoid having it, right? So um, I think what happens is you get these credit cards, especially right now, there's so many frequent flyer point offers, you know, 50,000 points for this airline, 60,000 points for that airline. And you take these credit cards out and you tell yourself you're not going to use them and then you use them and the next thing you know, you're making minimum payments. And, and the problem with credit cards is that um, they start off often with these teaser rates that are 0% and then you're late one time and the rate goes to 20%. And then the next thing you know, you're $5,000 in credit card debt. If you pay minimum payments, it can take you 26 years to pay it off. So, you know, credit card debt is, is a trap and I just... I look at I look at credit card debt as like financial quicksand. If if you you're walking down the street and there's quicksand, you wouldn't go in the quicksand. And you just need to know that credit cards are a trap. And if you've got a credit, I, you know, I I'm not against having a credit card. I'm against carrying credit card debt and paying interest. So if you've got a credit card, you need to do everything you can to pay that credit card debt down as fast as possible so that you're pay, ultimately using, you're paying that card out for every month. Um, I've done it all wrong myself. I learned this painful lesson in college. I got myself into credit card debt, and I had to learn how to get out of it. And it's really what kind of shaped a lot of my, my financial beliefs. And I, you know, I believe in you know, charge cards are great. American Express is great because then you're forced to pay it off every month. Yeah. Now, your next mistake is kind of controversial. Say having a 30-year mortgage is a mistake. Now, that's what the vast majority of people have. What is wrong with a 30-year mortgage? Well, it's the same thing, right? You buy a home for a quarter of a million dollars, and you pay it off over 30 years. And with interest payments, you pay three times more for the home. So I, what, I what I teach in Smart Women Finish Rich is actually how to take that 30-year mortgage and pay it off early. I'm not so much against a 30-year mortgage as I am a against paying for it over 30 years. So I teach you with Smart Women Finish Rich, either you know make one extra payment a year and you'll make that, that 30 year mortgage go down to about 24 years, depending on the interest payment. Or I teach you how to do a bi-weekly mortgage payment where you split it in half every two weeks. And again, that pays your mortgage off about five years early. And then really, if you're a fantastic, um, you know, organized conservative person that can ratchet up your savings, pay the pay that mortgage off in 15 years. And what happens when you pay your mortgage off early is you can retire early. And that's what people do, by the way. People who pay their mortgages off early tend to be the ones that I've seen personally as a financial advisor that can retire in their mid-50s or certainly their late 50s. Um, that The advantage of being debt-free is that you can retire sooner. And a lot of people today want to retire sooner. There's a whole movement in America to retire before 50 now. Um, yeah. You know, you know this, right? There's blogs and there's podcasts and there's books out there. Yes. <laughs> you know, especially for millennials, inspiring people to like get out of this rat race quick. And one of the ways to do it is if you've got, if you own a home, pay it off faster. Yeah. So, uh, do you think that the new tax law has changed the calculus on buying a home since only ten thousand dollars in property taxes and uh, state income taxes is now deductible, and they've limited to some extent the mortgage interest deduction? Has that changed whether people should be buying homes or not? So here's the thing. You, you, it's really important for people to hear this accurately because they're hearing it so often not accurately. You just said there's only 10,000 in deductions, and you, what you, but you said state, but people don't hear that. They hear there's only 10,000 in deductions. You're still able to write off a mortgage that's up to $750,000 on a new purchase. So all interest payments on a new purchase up to $750,000 mortgage, you can write it off. 
The issue that you brought up, which is going to make a huge impact on states with high state tax, is you can only write off $10,000, and that's huge. And that's going to lead people in high tax states to want to relocate. Now, everybody can't relocate at once, but let me tell you something. It becomes a lot harder to rationalize high state taxes when you can't write them off. When you live in New York or California, which I've basically, that's primarily, I've lived in those two states. I'm from California and I live in New York. The reason we're able to rationalize our high taxes is because we could write them off. Now that we can't, it's having an impact and it's having an impact already in the real estate market on a lot of these high state taxes. People are moving and I think we'll see more of that. I mean, it hasn't really started yet as, as, as much as it will as it will increase over time. But yes, it's an impact. But still, that doesn't change the desire to buy a home. The importance of buying a home um, is that the, be- the, the, the key escalator to building wealth is owning real estate. There's, there's two primary things that build wealth, home ownership and real estate and paying yourself first into a retirement account. And yeah. that, hasn't, that will not change. And the other thing that won't change with home ownership, well, it could because they always change the tax rules. But the key thing for home ownership is the fact that you can buy a home make a half a million dollars on that home if you're married, sell it, and not pay tax on a half a million dollars in profit. That's yeah. unbelievable. There's nothing else you can do in America where you can make a half a million dollars and not pay taxes on it other than home ownership. Yeah, uh, which leads into the mistake number four, which is waiting to buy a house, you're saying, is a mistake. Now, a lot of younger people have a huge amount of student loan debt, and they can't put together a down payment. Their credit score may not be good enough, so they have to wait to buy a house, but you're saying that's the big mistake people are making. It is a big mistake, and, and, and there, look, some people really can't afford to buy a home. A lot of millennials, though, um, are, are putting off buying a home because they've, they've been led to believe that they shouldn't buy one, and, it's, and, they, and they've also been led to believe that they should pay their student loans off before they buy a home, and I don't agree with that. I think if you wait to pay off your student loans to buy a home, you'll be buying your first home at 40 or 45, right? Yeah. Versus somebody who buys a home in their mid 20s, you know, the, the appreciation of their home, it's conceivable they can make so much money ultimately in home ownership that they could also turn around and, and take the profit and pay off their student loans. I've seen people do that. So uh, I think, you know, I, I try to inspire millennials. If you think you're going to stay somewhere for more than three, four, or five years, you should be buying real estate. Get your friends to, instead of the three of you, renting an apartment together or a house together, you go buy the real estate and then let your friends rent from you and you become the landlord. I mean, that's how I got into real estate. I bought a home yeah. with my best friend. We scraped together money. We, you know, we were starving at the time, but we pulled it off and then we rented bedrooms to buddies and they helped pay for our mortgage. So, um, that's how you build wealth. Yeah. You're saying the next mistake is to put off saving for retirement. You're just saying like with 401k plans and automatic investment plans, they start too late. Is that a big mistake? It, it's a huge mistake because the miracle of compound interest is all about decades and not days, right? So for somebody who starts in their 20s, look, you start saving 10% of your income in your 20s, you'll never have to worry about money for the rest of your life. And it's not even, and, and what I teach is save one hour a day of your income. So if you're going to go work at eight o'clock, from eight to nine o'clock or nine o'clock from nine to 10, the first hour, whatever you earn, that money should be automatically taken out of your paycheck, put right into your retirement account. You'll never see it. You won't touch it and live off the rest. You do that. You'll never have to worry about money again. The challenge is that most, many people don't start saving and investing until they're in their thirties or their forties or even in their fifties. I always say people don't think about money in their twenties. 
they hear about it in their 30s, they worry about it in their 40s, and they hyperventilate in their 50s. And yeah. so the, the younger you start, the easier it is. And in, in Smart Women Finish Rich, I have all these amazing charts that just show you the black and white math of how much easier it is to become wealthy if you start when you're young. Having that compounding working for you is the basic thing, yes. And then you say the next big mistake is building a portfolio that's not diversified. Uh, do you believe mostly in index funds, or do you think people should be doing individual stocks as well as uh, index funds? Yeah, I really believe in index funds and also actively managed mutual funds. I think when you, when you do a diversified portfolio between stocks and bonds, whether it's index-based or active management, and I kind of like to see a combination of the two, the real key is the diversification. You know, like I did an interview the, earlier today with Acorns, which is the fastest growing robo-advisor for millennials. Uh, Four million young people have opened an account on Acorns. And, you know, I was talking about the fact that, like, you know, what's right about Acorns versus what, what people do wrong? Like Acorns, you go and you can start, you can invest automatically, like literally like your change in a completely diversified portfolio of ETFs. And it's, you know, truth be told, Jordan, it's totally boring, right? Like having a diversified portfolio is a super uncool, boring thing to do. And over time, you will probably earn somewhere between 7 or 8 or 9%. That's kind of annualized what a boring, balanced, diversified portfolio has earned over the last 100 years. And you know what? That's perfect. <laughs> having yeah. a diversified portfolio that earns 7 or 8 or 9% annually over the next 30 years, I'll take that all day long versus I'm going to try to guess which stock to buy. I'm going to worry about whether or not it's going down. I'm going to go try to invest in cryptocurrency. Like I just have seen over time that the way you build wealth is you take the tortoise approach. And, yeah. you know, I turn around here at 51. I haven't had huge grand slam investments. I've done all these things and I, I'm living the miracle of compound interest. I look at my accounts and I'm like, man, this is crazy. But like after 25 years of funding my retirement accounts, they sort of just added up. Like it actually plays out the way it's supposed to, if you do it. And then your next big mistake is paying too much in taxes. So what are some things that people can do to save on taxes in addition to putting money into retirement accounts? Well, you just, you know, the first one actually is really key, right? Because if you max out your retirement account, it's an instant tax deduction. So that's number one. Number two is owning a home is a great tax deduction. And then after that, it's making sure that you, if, if you own a business, that you're taking the appropriate tax deductions. It's that you work with an accountant and you item. Now, taxes are going to be different this year, right? Because for so long, I would, I would be a preacher of itemizing your tax deductions. It will be different this year because most people probably will not be itemizing. Many, many people won't be itemizing right. their tax deductions. But I think you should spend the money and work with an accountant. I think you should get your taxes done professionally. I believe that when you get your taxes done professionally, you save money. And it's almost usually two, three times the amount of money that you would have saved if you did it yourself. Um, but you need to be tax conscious. I, you know, it's very imp what it, the, 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 the key thing that you find with people who build wealth is that they focus on making sure they pay as little taxes as possible legally. Keyword there is legally. Yes. Very good. We're going to take another break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is David Bach. Uh, he is the author of several books. His latest one is Smart Women Finish Rich. This is an update of a version he came out with 20 years ago. You can find out more at his website, finishrich.com. We'll be back after this.
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth in Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth in Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. If you're like me, the list of books you want to read is never-ending. You simply don't have time to read them all. Blinkist has solved this problem. Blinkist is the only app that takes thousands of the best-selling nonfiction books and distills them so you can read or listen to them in under 15 minutes all on your phone. I like to listen to Blinkist while I commute to my office. The Blinkist library is massive, from timeless classics like Rich Dad, Poor Dad to current bestsellers like Fire and Fury inside the Trump White House. My personal recommendation is to check out the four-hour work week. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Money Answers to start your free seven-day trial. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Money Answers to start your free seven-day trial. You can cancel anytime. Blinkist.com slash Money Answers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is David Bach, a personal finance uh, author of, of Great Note. Uh, his latest book is called Smart Women Finish Rich. You can find out more at his website, finishrich.com. Welcome back to the show, David. Jordan, good to be with you. Thank so you. You have what you call the 12 commandments. Um, just basically kind of summarize what, the for women, the 12 commandments kind of amount to. Yeah, so this is chapter, it's page 329. It's the idea that the 12 commandments of attracting greater wealth and... <laughs> You know, you hear so often that women earn less than men and that, you know, I was saying earlier that women earn about 82 cents on the dollar. And here's the key, ladies. You you got to You need to be paid what you're worth. So commandment number one is don't accept less than you're worth. And I really drill into this chapter of this book. And I think this chapter has helped so many women that realize the way you're the way you're not underpaid is you have to ask for more money. So, you know, when, when, when women are offered a job, 
or even when they have their own business, <clears throat> women tend to not negotiate, whereas men almost always ask for more. And I will just tell you this. I've never once accepted anything anybody's offered me. I always ask for more. And, and most men do. And it's funny. I was just talking to an editor of a, of a, of a, um, of a magazine yesterday on the, about this topic. And she's like, you know what? It's so interesting because she said now that I'm the one doing the hiring, she's like, I see it. I, you know, I see the men almost always ask for more and I see women not ask for more. And the reality is you have to ask for more. You have to learn how to negotiate. So I have a chapter on how to negotiate for more money and how to position yourself for more money. And it happens to be at this very moment in time Maybe the greatest time in the history of our lifetime, certainly since I wrote this book, to ask for more money. There are multiple things that put you in a position of power as a woman asks for more money. First of all, the Me Too generation or the Me uh-huh. Too situation we're in. If you have a corporate job right now, uh, corporate America is on its heels and there ha- you have never been in a better position as a woman to ask for more money. The second thing is that there's never been a stronger, in my lifetime, a stronger uh, jobs market than right now. We basically have almost virtually unemployed. We have virtually almost no unemployment, right? Like we're, we're below 4%. We have full employment in many areas. The number one problem that companies have today is finding somebody to hire. So it's a great time to find yourself a new job. And in the process, if you don't want to find a new job, it's a great time to ask for more money. So in an effort to do that, I, I literally walk you through in this book how to go about doing that. And if you don't want to quit your job, how to stay and make more money, I walk you through how to start your own business if you want to start your own business and, you know, and then I also cover like everything, like why you should keep your, your, you know, your overhead under control, because if you don't have high payments and you're not underwater, you feel more powerful over your life. And when you feel more powerful over your life, you feel more confident to ask for more money. Yeah. You also have a chapter on raising smart kids to finish rich. What are some of the key things that people should be teaching their kids to be financially uh, knowledgeable and do the right thing? You know, the key thing is to do what my grandmother did for me. It's to teach your kids to think like an investor instead of a consumer. So my grandmother, you know, again, I told you in the very beginning of our of this, of this podcast, this radio show, that that my grandmother at seven helped me buy my first stock. What I didn't tell you is that she helped me buy my first stock in McDonald's, which was my favorite restaurant in the whole world. And at McDonald's, she basically said, okay, David, you know what? There's three types of people. There are those who work here for minimum wage. It's a very hard way to make a living, and it's a very hard way to become wealthy. And she knew I wanted to be rich because at seven, all I ever wanted to do was play Monopoly. And she's like, and you know, and, and she's like, look, I know you want to be rich. And she's like, if you want to be rich, you're not. Gonna, it's hard to get become rich working and, and making minimum wage. And she said, then there are people who, who come in here and they spend money like you are right now. You're a consumer. Millions and millions of people come to McDonald's uh, like every week and they buy McDonald's and they love it like you are, but that's called a spender. And she said, and then there are people who own the place and owners get rich. And she's like, you can own McDonald's. And then she literally walked me through how to become an owner in McDonald's. Took me home that day taught me how to look McDonald's up in the Wall Street Journal, taught me how to look at the symbol going across the screen on the TV show, and then took me down to a brokerage firm and it helped me open an investment account and helped me buy my first share of stock. And that was at seven years old. By nine, I was going to Disneyland and asking Mickey Mouse if they were publicly traded. And you know, <laughs> p- people laugh like you just did when I tell that story, yes. but like that changed me. And I'm trying to do that same thing with my kids. You know, I don't, I don't spend so much time on the classic, like, oh, here's your allowance, and you should put money in a little piggy bank. I, I work on getting my kids to think like investors. Yes. You know, I explained cryptocurrency to them. When I explained cryptocurrency to my eight-year-old, my eight-year-old took out a piece of paper, 
drew a smiley face on a circle, cut out a coin and handed it to me and goes, so you're telling me it's kind of like this? Like, he goes, dad, this feels like a scam to me. Like my eight-year-old could understand why cryptocurrency could be a scam. Yes. But my kids, you know, they, they understand taxes. This is a long time ago, but when Justin Bieber was on the, when Justin Bieber was on the cover of the Rolling, of Rolling Stone and it said something like Justin Bieber made like $60 million, I think that year it was, my son, who was like six at the time, Jack, said to me, how much money did he have to pay in taxes, dad? Like, like my kids have learned these things because I always talk about them. So um, I think talking to your kids about money, what's going on in your life, and telling them what things cost, teaching them how to invest, it's, it's a game changer. Do you think some people should not be going to college who have been going to college and taking on all that debt? Um, yes. <laughs> Yes, I do. I I, th- I I do think that. I think, and I think certainly before you go into a college that costs a hundred thousand dollars or hundred thousand dollars, there are other ways to do it. I think you can go to junior college, and spend a whole lot less money for the first two years and get all your general curriculum courses out of the way. Uh, I think some people should go to trade school. I think people should be super leery of going to these for-profit colleges. Um, it's sad, you know. The, the whole the call. I think the college system is just totally out of control. The costs are totally out of control. It's because the government's gotten it is in the student lending business. And, you know, the cost of education is completely inflated. And, you know, you come out of school with $100,000 in student loans. Man, that is such a big hole. Um, it's just an unfair way to start your life. Yeah. Even so 30000 Even though the average person got 30000 that's tough too. Like, I, I just don't think we should discount the serious nature of these student loans. And I think what's wrong is that you have basically children ha- making these decisions with no understanding of what they're getting themselves into. Yes, indeed. So let's kind of sum up what difference it'll make in, in women's lives if they follow the basic advice you've got uh, in Smart Women Finish Rich. You know, the, the first thing I would say is that you'll feel better, right? So like the, the key to taking charge of your financial life is that you'll feel better. You, there's a level of anxiety that people have about their money that is always happening. It's like a daily occurrence. I just had somebody show me this research that's going on in the U.S. about the negativity index and saying that like 47% of Americans are under constant anxiety about their finances. And so I think for women who worry about this, and men worry about this too, but I think for women who are worried about their money right now, Smart Women Finish Rich will put you in a position to have to, to stop worrying so much. Instead of worry, I say go to work, you know, like get this stuff taken care of. And then also, if you're a mom, it'll put you in a position to teach your kids and you can protect your family. And, and, and that to me is like, that's why I'm still doing this. You know what? 20 years later, my publisher could have cared less, truth be told, if we updated this book. I'm the one who cared. I'm the one that pushed them to do this update. I'm the one spending all the money to promote this book. And it's because I still care. And I sure. know how many women it's helped. So that's why I'm doing this. That's why I'm doing your show today. You're my seventh interview today. It's Very five good. o'clock. I end after this is over. But you know what? I, I, I cared this much 25 years ago. You and I met at an event like 10 years ago. My energy is higher now than it was then. And um, I love this stuff. And I feel honored and grateful and lucky to have been able to spend my life doing it. Terrific. Well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been David Bach. His latest book is called Smart Women Finish Rich. You can find out more at his website, finishrich.com. Thanks so much for being a guest on The Money Answer Show, David. Thank you so much, Jordan. Have a great day. You too, and thanks so much. We'll be back next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. 
Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.